Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of X-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we stand together. Please acknowledge that this content may be difficult. Viewer discretion is advised. Previously on The X-Files. In the last episode, Ted reports to prison for a year-long stint. Anna learns all the ins and outs of prison life as a girlfriend in May 527. But once released, the red flags start a-waving. But Anna chalks it up to him just trying to adjust to normal life. Now, in this episode, we are still in year two and barely starting into year three of Anna and Ted's relationship. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season five, episode three, Tossed Like Trash. The next few months after being released from prison were rocky to say the least. Ted's rage began to show. He hated the military, law enforcement, and the United States. This was very shocking to Anna as she had never been exposed to this type of behavior. In fact, when she would tell him how she felt when he went into those rages, he would tell her tough shit. If you don't like it, leave. Of course, she couldn't. She was in too deep. In her own words, she said, I had too much invested. Money, time, mental energy, my heart, my pride, my ego and my stubbornness would not let me let go. He just starts raging about the military and about how, you know, when they get killed, that they're asking for it, that that's what they sign up for, that they deserve to die because they're stupid and um, they represent this country and this country's a hellhole and a shithole. And so if you're fighting for the United States or represent the United States, you should die. And I remember just being completely blown away and shocked. I, I never, ever have heard anybody say something like that ever. And I said to him, I was like, hey, you, you know that like we're a military family. Like my dad was in the military. I have cousins in the military. Both my grandparents, all my uncles, they all were in the military. So you're saying that they deserve to die? And he said, yeah, every one of them deserved to die because they chose to do this. Remember another time he was really angry about something that day. For some reason, he was going off about religion and about God and about how it's all bullshit and that God's not real and he hates God. And of course, me, I'm like, well, how can you hate something that's not real? So when I said that, he got extra angry. And I remember he went and he found the Bible that we had in our house and he opened up the Bible and he tore the Bible up like he ripped the Bible apart and we were supposed to meet not be going to dinner and I just said let's just stay home <laughs> you know this is not gonna be a good night let's just stay home and he was like no god damn it I said I was gonna take you out for a fucking dinner we're gonna go to dinner and I'm just okay all right let's just go to dinner and so we went to go get a hamburger in this particular restaurant had like an outdoor patio and we were sitting on the 
outdoor patio and I was really nervous because there was children around and, you know, he didn't care. He did not care who was around. He didn't care who heard him. He did not care. And a police officer stopped at the stoplight right there um, by us. And he starts raging about how he hoped the cop would, would get shot and killed that night and that his family would have to, to deal with the death of this cop. You know, I just rationalized it out as to where, you know, of course he hates government. Of course he hates authority because, you know, they, in his mind, screwed him over. And that's how come his life got destroyed. You know, he took very little responsibility for the circumstances that led to him being incarcerated. After Ted was released from prison, it was time to find a new career and start life over again. And after a brief stint working with his former father-in-law, he took the money he had saved and invested it into a furniture consignment business. Now, Ted and Anna found success immediately, and they enjoyed spending time together looking for items to stock up the store with. They both had an eye for good, solid items and knew just what to buy. Did you go into this business with him as a partner or just helping out? No, you know, I mean, I was poor at that point in time. I just graduated and was in my very first job. You know, I, I gave up my weekends and, you know, I spent a lot of time building that with him and, um, you know, just brainstorming things and setting things up. And um, I didn't mind. I had a lot of fun doing it, actually. It was a lot, but I really enjoyed it. And I liked, you know, hanging out with him at the store. And, um, you know, it wasn't a hardship for me. Okay, so things must have picked up once um, Ted had a purpose and felt like his life was getting back on track. Did his bad mood start to go away at any point? No. I mean, they kind of maybe were a little less frequent because he, he was really busy himself with the shop and with getting everything going and started and getting um, inventory in and that kind of thing, you know, going out and buying and all that stuff. So once everything kind of settled down and the store got, got up and running, you know, his anger shifted to the people who would come into the store and he would get really angry, like if they asked too many questions or they tried to bargain with him or anything like that. So with uh, this new consignment business, so you were involved, but also your children, you mentioned that your two boys worked with him so now everyone's in the know right that you guys are together and oh, yeah. what was their vibe that they were getting from him good bad indifferent at the time you know what I what they said was they that they liked him and you know he was when you first met him he's very gregarious and generous and outgoing and fun to be around and he was very attentive to my kids and you know they really liked him the middle son, he kind of saw some inappropriate interactions between Ted and women who might come into the store. Or I do believe he told me one time they were out doing a delivery and like some girl was walking up the street and Ted made some nasty comment about her body and you know it was very degrading and my sons are very very respectful of women and so that did not sit right with him at all so after that happened he distanced himself a little bit more from him and then my oldest son some stuff happened as well that was really hurtful to him and so he distanced himself from Ted as well for the most part 
While the store was doing well, it was becoming more and more noticeable when certain women would come in the store and look at Anna with curiosity. There was even a time when Anna's friend let her know about how Ted made the sales girl from the local newspaper feel so uncomfortable that she requested to be removed from the account. Of course, when confronted, Ted flipped it and said she was the problem, not him. She was actually a very young girl. She was maybe uh, she was maybe 22, you know, so she was very, very young. She was very new in this job. She was very naive, you know, um, but her boss actually was a friend of mine. And she told me that Ted had said some things to her that made her really feel unsafe and uncomfortable to be in the store with him. And so she asked to be removed from the account. And whenever my friend told me that, she showed me some of the text messages that had gone on because her staff, her employee had, had sent her screenshots. You know, they, there was a dinner that they had uh, set up um, that did not happen. And whenever I confronted him about it, he said that, um, that she had asked him about what it's like to start a business because she was thinking about starting a business. And so she just wanted his advice. Um, but whenever he, he said that he realized that she was thinking it was something different. And so he canceled the dinner. So that was how he spun it. What happened was uh, he told me that my friend was a lying bitch and that I needed to quit talking to her and that she was trying to sabotage our relationship because she wanted to be with him. And so she was um, lobbying anything and everything that she could and making a bigger deal out of stuff than it was because she wanted us to break up because she wanted to date him. And so what he did was he spun it and he flipped it. And um, I still haven't spoken to her since. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah, no. Sounds so familiar. Right? Sounds like I know. Ladies, take note of that little tactic that they do because I think they do it. You don't really realize it's happening Mm -hmm. at the time. It feels believable. And they get worked up and mad at the wrong person. Oh, man. They're good at it. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. But this wasn't the only major red flag when it came to other women. Anna heard through the grapevine that Ted was making very sexual and inappropriate comments to other women as well. And of course, it was met with the same old story by Ted that she came on to him. She this, she that. Even her close friend admitted Ted's indiscretions with her. But what happened is that she lost a friend. He had been home not very long, maybe about a month or so. We went out dancing and like my cousin and her husband and her friend were there and, you know, we were having a great time. We were having fun. I was out dancing with my cousin and, you know, Ted was back at the table talking to my cousin's friend and her husband was there. You know, I didn't think anything about it at all. And, you know, my cousin's friend, she's also very flirty and I could see there was, you know, flirty energy between them. But, you know, I just didn't really think much of it because um, she was not the type of woman that would be, like, his type. I just thought he was just being, you know, friendly. Well, the next day, my cousin tells me that her friend said that, basically, he inferred that she could basically just give him a blowjob in the bathroom. 
if she wanted to. What he told me was that she had said to him, I don't have a gag reflex. And so he took that, you know, as her coming on to him and intimating that she would be willing to accommodate him. And then, you know, what I hear the next day is the opposite, which is he was asking her. So got two stories with that deal. And I chose to believe his. I yeah. was like, I, I choose this reality. <laughs> I don't yes. choose that reality. I choose that reality. Totally. And no shame been, in that. We've all yeah. been there. <laughs> been there, done that. Cho- chose the wrong option. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did that a lot. Option D, all of the above. Yeah. Oops. (laughs) I know. Yeah, D, don't want to deal with it. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's option D. There was the incident with your friend who comes into the shop, and you guys had previously housed it um, for her. And then, of course, Teddy Boy makes the whole inappropriate comment about, you know, him imagining what she does to herself in the bed and that he was sleeping there and thinking about, you know, the things she's done in her bed and this, that, and the other. Were you there at the time and missed this conversation or did you only find out about it because then she came to you to confide and tell you the truth? And did you feel like she was having a hard time being honest with you? Yeah, she told me about the conversation. Um, And he had told me that she was coming into the store quite a bit. Um, and that she would come in and, and sit and talk and that he felt like maybe she was uh, hitting, not necessarily hitting on him, but was interested in him or liked him or something along those lines. And then not shortly thereafter, she tells me about this conversation. She had gone in to the shop to do, I don't remember what she was doing, buying something. She said, then she told me about that particular conversation that they that he had had with her where he made those statements of, you know, sure did like, house sitting for you, you know, you've got a really comfortable bed, wondered, uh, every now and then I wondered while I was going to sleep what you did in that bed. Um, so, uh, she came to me and she told me this information. When she told me this, it was during a time that, uh, he and I were broken up. Now we were together whenever this allegedly occurred. She was saying to me, yeah, he's a piece of shit because, you know, and he said this to me. I still didn't believe her. I still, I just, you know, again, I reject your reality and I take mine, which is you like him, you're flirting with him, you want him, you know, you participated in this conversation and, you know, you're not telling me facts. Yeah. But as it turns out, she was telling me facts. (laughs) So. I was curious to know if in between the two marriages and kind of going to school and then getting involved with him, had you had a moment where you were self-reflecting on the events that, you know, and maybe things that you needed to heal or work on or because we realized that we've said in various conversations so far, it's really hard to self-reflect while you're in it. Um, but I'm just curious, like, did, did most of that healing and self-discovery happen after the relationship or did you have any time kind of prior to him to sort of work on some things? No. Um, one of the things that I've learned about myself post all of this happening, that relationships are something that I really, really struggle with. And um, that, you know, for most of my life, there wasn't really any time frame where I was single from the time that I got married when I was 19 until the time that, that Ted and I divorced almost four years ago now. I've always had something. I've always been in a relationship. 
So I didn't have much, I, I didn't give myself time between relationships to reflect on that and to really look at my patterns and to look at the kind of men that I was attracted to and figuring out why I was attracted to those specific types of men. That's really been my journey over the last four years is figuring that out. And I'm still figuring that out. And that's why I don't date. <laughs> There's so many people who will relate to that on so many levels though. As a therapist, you're dealing with everybody else's issues, right? And could it be fair assumption that it's easy to neglect your own self-care needs now that you're kind of working in this field? Because I did read some studies about it um, because certainly psychologists, therapists, they're not immune to stuff either. But I wonder if it's just because you spend your whole day in and day out in your work life kind of dealing with everybody else's shit. <laughs> Is it sometimes yeah. hard to remember about yourself and, and your needs. Yeah. It's funny you ask me that question, especially today, because uh, I'm dealing with massive burnout professionally right now. Um, I'm just, I'm just really struggling. I, I saw a meme the other day that, that was like, it was like a cartoon and the person was literally on fire, just a ball of fire. And it said, um, therapists walking into their eighth session of the day to talk to their client about self-care, you know, and the therapist is on fire but she's, you know, going in to help someone else. Um, just letting it burn. Rome's burning while they give, while we give everything to everybody else. And so therapists are, are it is hard. Self-care is very, very hard. Other people don't really fully understand what it is like and what that burnout feels like and how, um, how difficult it is to talk about and to explain because we have jobs that we can't talk about. So to talk about the things that we hear and the things that we deal with day in and day out, um, is really difficult, which is why if you're looking for a therapist, make sure they have their own therapist. When you're interviewing therapists, always ask them, do you go to therapy? Yeah. And I can imagine too that, you know, people who go into the field of therapy, psychology, you're a natural empath. We've all talked yeah. about this and empaths feel the feelings of other people. So you're, you're getting all this like bogged down energy of everyone else's stuff and you're absorbing that. Anna's two sons helped Ted out in the store from time to time and they too saw Ted act out of line. But she just chalked it up to, that's how Ted is. He's naturally flirtatious and it is how he is. This is Anna's daughter Elizabeth explaining what her relationship was like with Ted once he got out of prison. Now, once he got out of jail, then you're around him more, right? And your brothers and got to know him. Then did your opinions change or did that stay the same for a while? For me, it stayed the same. I think that because the love bombing with me looked different because, you know, he, he got home I believe I was a sophomore in high school and, you know, I felt like I knew him and, you know, like I'd said, he, he was kind to me. He, he was never angry or hateful with me. I feel like he really did love me, or at least I like to think that he did, but I've also had recent discussions with my mom and we figured out that that was part of his love bombing with me because he had this complex 
that he was better than my dad. And he wanted to show that he was better than my dad. That was his way of keeping me wrapped in with only seeing the good side of him. I never saw the bad side of him until much later. He was the one that, um, sorry, this is still a little sensitive for me. He's the one that showed up to my senior night and stand, and he stood with me when my dad wouldn't. He's the one who came to my graduation and stayed and took pictures with me and took me to dinner and celebrated with me. You know, that that was who he was to me then. You know, I'd, I'd had no reason to see any ill will. He was the one who put the effort in and was proud of me and was proud to be there. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry. It's so hurtful, these types of people, when you kind of peel back the layers and you realize, oh my gosh, he's not anything like what I thought. Yeah, he's terrible. He's a piece of shit. When he got the consignment store, your brothers, I believe, were kind of helping out a little bit. I'm not sure if you were too, but um, they were noticing kind of him being flirtatious with women. Did you see that? Or did they tell you anything? Like, come back to you and be like, hey, Elizabeth, like... He's no. he's really acting inappropriate. I was I was still so young and you know my brothers were older. They remember a lot more of how my dad was and they knew that I had these rose-colored glasses and they just wanted for me to have that stability. They didn't tell me anything okay. about so they it. Must they have sheltered you. They did. They did. They never you know, they never even told me that they didn't like him until after everything came out about Ted's affair. Your mom clearly didn't share that stuff with you either of kind of what was going on behind the scenes. No. no. The only hint that I had that something was going on was, like I mentioned earlier, she would text me that Ted was in a bad mood and not to come home. By the time April came around, things between the two started getting really rocky and everything Anna did or said was wrong. When she asked him about the promises he made to her, he simply said she was desperate and pushy. I remember this night so clearly because I'd kind of been dancing around the topic, you know, like in the letters and everything. It was it was all just like gung-ho. When I get home, we're going to get a house. You're going to move in with me. We'll get married. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Then he gets home and he's like, I didn't say any of that. I, I, what? I didn't say any of that. I didn't know you, you misunderstood. You misread it. No, it's kind of hard to misread, you know, pictures of wedding dresses and things like that. But anyway, um, I remember we were sitting in the parking lot of the local grocery store. We had gotten groceries and I said something about, you know, well, you know, when I move in with you and he lost his shit. I mean, he started pounding on the steering wheel, punching the, the windshield. He started screaming, cussing, telling me, you know, that I again pushy and a bully and that, that I was being ridiculous, that he never said any of those things um, and that I had ruined everything. I had ruined everything by asking him, you know, about the things that he had promised he pushed me out of the, his vehicle in the parking lot of the grocery store and, you know, slammed the door and took off. Um, but he swings around he picks me up and, you know, he's, he took me home and, um, 
I, I didn't bring it up again because I didn't want that reaction. So, you know, he got what he wanted. He had this horrific reaction, just screamed and yelled at me and made me, told me that I was ruining everything. And, and you know, I don't want to ruin everything. So I just quit asking about it. Anna was living with her parents at the time while she finished school, but they were at a fork in the road. It was shit or get off the pot. They either move in together or she gets a place of her own. So as she was looking at a condo to rent, she got an email from Ted with shocking news. Glaring at her were the words, Upon further reflection, I do not need you. I do not want you. I do not want to see or speak to you ever again. And to say she was devastated does not even begin to cover how broken it left her. She had given him everything she could. And this just left her feeling like Ted had simply thrown her out with the trash. In Anna's own words in a letter she wrote to ex-wives undercover, I was a shell of a human. I cried nonstop. I lost 25 pounds in six weeks. I could not concentrate at work and was so profoundly sad I neglected myself. It was all I had in me to be present for my daughter, who was now 16 in high school and working her first job. She needed me, and I simply wasn't present. I, I got. I need to leave. My I, I was still living at my mom's and dad's house. I was like, I got to get out. I got to get on my own. So if I'm not going to move in with you, if you don't want me to move in with you, then just say so because I'm going to get my own home. And so that's kind of was the catalyst for uh, everything that happened after that. Yeah, I just feel like it's so disrespectful because they know damn well they're not planning on moving in. But just, I mean, speak up. I mean, yeah, you're going to be pissed, but at least you can start to make plans to do things for yourself. But instead, they're so selfish. All they care about is themselves. He's just, Ted is just a big asshole. So I'm going to throw that out there. You big a-hole. Huge asshole. <laughs> Although you wanted to get married and all this, did it ever cross your mind or do you feel like you, I don't know, did anything pop up as a flag where you felt like maybe I need to look up the ex-wife and make sure he actually is divorced from her? When April hit and everything just kind of got really um, explosive, what I did was I had... Um, he had, well, this, he had broken up with me at this point and, you know, he'd sent me the email, um, that I referenced, um, with that line upon further reflection, I don't need you, which has just like burned in my brain. You know, that email broke my heart. It just, it just, it tore me apart because I had given everything to him. After that happened, I did, I got my own place to live and my daughter and I moved in and, you know, we loved it and it was just perfect little space for us we turned it into a little princess palace you know um about two weeks into that after he had said that and done that to me I just kind of thought you know something's not right here he had blocked me from her Facebook so I couldn't see anything and he was off of, of social media completely so he wasn't you know there's nothing for me to see there so finally I had a friend um I asked a friend to look at her Facebook and that's when I found out that, um, you know, not only were they married, but, you know, there were pictures of them together. He had gone to Chicago when I thought that he was um, with um, friends, you know, going for a weekend or something like that. He was actually going to see her. 
Um, and so that's when I found out that they were still together. Wow. So I think Athena can relate to the letter <laughs> and hasta yeah. la vista type fuckery. Why do you think he did it via email? Is he's it a coward. just a coward? And coward. do you feel like, because I feel like in both your situation and Athena's, like they must have felt like you're onto them and they're going to get caught. And instead of like, 100, yeah, getting caught, they'd rather peace out and say, like, leave on their terms if that, you know, instead of like just they, saying, yeah, I'm they a can't dick. handle, they can't handle yeah. confrontation, number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, be, they can't handle confrontation because they're cowards and they're just selfish. Yeah. And little did he know that that just triggered you to start going undercover. (laughs) So maybe he wouldn't have got caught had he not pulled that move. But since he did, now your, your little lady senses are like, "Mm hmm, something's not right. And let me figure this fucking asshole out. And, and, uh, oh my God. So, well, uh, they also played the long game. So, and I really feel like that's what he was doing with me and, and very true. Yeah, he was playing the long game. Because he knew yeah. that we enabled them and we always took them back. So he knew, he always knew it was temporary, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah, mm, he knew. Very smart to say, yeah. Never thought yeah. about it like that. Yeah, that's what they do though. They play that, they, they play it to the very last possible second. Mm-hmm. And then they have their oh shit moment. Because, you know, she's coming to visit or I'm pushing him to move in with me or he's agreed to do something with me, but she's coming to visit or what have you, you know what I mean? So it's like he had to pull the plug on one of us and it was much more beneficial for him to stay with her than it was for him to stay with me. And so I'm the one that got kicked to the court. So during this season, season five of X-Files, I've had so many like aha moments listening to you speak it's amazing like you're good at what you do obviously and you've lived it which is sad but again it helps our listeners and even myself feel like we're not alone and it makes sense the way you're putting things out there and for me sometimes like I've noticed listening to you speak I've kind of connected dots that I never had for years so thank you thank you for that you're welcome that's why I, that's why I wanted to do this. Yes, I love that. I love that we get to hear that part of it. Not just an opinion, but factual information because you are educated in this. Let's roll on into... Oh, this was rough. The breakup. Reading this and how it affected you broke my heart. I've always said it's the shittiest thing ever, but the best weight loss program. That oh and God. having the flu, maybe. It's it's devastating, especially when you have that much passion and that much love and hope for a person like that in your life. At this point, obviously, you and Ted are not married, and but you were absolutely flat on your back, devastated. As I was, uh, I've never felt pain like that, and I really hoped to never feel pain like that again. But unfortunately, I did. That time frame, like April, May, you know, I feel really bad for my daughter. I just feel so bad for her because she didn't have a mom those two months because I was so broken and so devastated. But like all I could do was get up and go to work and come home. That was all I could do. I didn't eat. I love to sing. 
Um, I listen to music all the time and I'm always like my friends at work, you know, they, they tease me. They say I'm a human jukebox because I just sing all the time. Not well, but you know, when I'm happy, I sing. And my daughter was like, mom, I haven't heard you sing in so long. Um, and the first time she heard me sing again, she's like, now I know you're getting better. I just sat in my office and cried at lunch, you know, um, cried all the way home. I, I cried constantly. I couldn't function. Like I just, I just, it, it shot like, you know, even when it was happening, it shocked me um, how deep the mourning was that I had for, for this loss of him. And I realized something is like, I've never been broken up with. It's the first time in my entire existence I had been broken up with. Every relationship I ended, every one, I ended it. I lost probably 20 pounds. I mean, I'm not a big person anyway, and I lost a lot of weight. I couldn't eat. When I tried to eat, I vomited. When I brushed my teeth, I threw up. Uh, I would cry until I couldn't breathe. I mean, it was just, um, it was hell. Ugh, I feel like uh, the natural thing that I feel like we all do is, what is wrong with me? Why yeah. doesn't he love me? And what's wrong with me? And it should never be that. It's not about you. But for whatever reason, you can't feel that or understand that. It's what is it about me? Am I not smart enough, pretty enough, whatever enough? Like, why am I not enough? And then it's almost like you want them more to like prove to them that I could be what you want me, what you want me to be. I, I can do that. And it's like reverse psychology. It's like you still want them and it's sick. And I don't know why we do that. Like you should say, fuck you. You can just go on with yourself and I will find someone who can love me. Right. But we, it's like we're, we it's so we can't find the power to do that when you're so in the depths of despair because I remember being in that position too. It's so true like a breakup could hurt on both sides, but man, I think it's worse. And it, I think it's uh, human nature like Amber you said like you it it affects you differently and you almost like want to run after them even though they're disgusting just find yourself wanting to do that. And I don't know why, but um, the professional triangle. might be able to tell us. <laughs> the triangle. The triangle is incredibly powerful um, because it does, it puts you into this position of, well, I mean, I have to prove I'm better than her. I have to prove that I'm more loyal. I have to prove that I'm, um, that I love you more, that I love you the most, that I'm going to be there for you. The, you know, times when she wasn't, I was and blah, blah, blah. The triangle is the most powerful thing there is because it's competition and women are competitive, you know? Um, and when you know that you've lost them to another person, then it's even worse because you're comparing yourself to her, which his wife, now I knew, um, is stunningly beautiful. I mean, she's, she's freaking gorgeous and she's got a killer body and you know what I mean? She was like everything I was not. But whenever he comes back and chooses you over the Barbie doll, then you're like, oh, look at that. Yeah. You may be, you may be hot shit, but he came back to me. He wants me. It's called pick me dancing. Oh, That's it's ridiculous. It's, 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 you're doing the pick me dance. But then, like, yeah. Then to tack on to that, once they do take you back, you almost lower your standards a little bit more so that they'll stay with you. Mm -hmm. You know, like now I'm not going to ask about time, Yeah. And, and you resent them more, I think. Mm -hmm. too. Oh, well, and here's the thing too. Every single time that, that they do this to you and you go back to them, they 
disdain you a little bit more. They mm -hmm. see you as less yes. and less and less. They see you as weaker. They see you as, um, I don't know what, what the word, they just see you as less. And so yeah. like, if they, if they know that they can treat you like complete and utter dog shit on their shoe and you still will come back. Oh yeah. You know? Just like when, when I took Ben back for the three weeks, you'd yeah. think the dude would bring his A game. But no, no, he treated me I just don't. as bad, if not worse. It's after worse. It, it was like, oh my God. Yeah. And for me, opposite, when I finally got away and separated to divorce him, to see him pry and try to figure out what I was doing and that I was starting to move on. Oh, it's just, I mean, they come at you hardcore. Like, yeah, it is insane. Elizabeth, Anna's daughter. I had never, I had never seen my mom hurt that badly because, you know, when my parents divorced, I don't remember much of it, but my dad worked out of state and, you know, my dad was physically abusive to my mom and she, she never mourned that the end of that. I never mourned the end of that. Like we mourned what Ted had done mm -hmm. and I don't remember how long it went on because I, I wasn't able to be with her the whole time. You know, my parents were divorced and they had joint custody. So I would be with my mom for a week and with my dad for a week. And I remember being afraid when I would leave my mom mm -hmm. because I was afraid that, you know, she was going to hurt herself. I was afraid that something bad was going to happen. And when the pain couldn't get any worse, it did. During the breakup, another woman messaged Anna to let her know that Ted was seeing her friend. And a separate person reached out to let her know that she had suspected her own husband was on hookup websites. And lo and behold, she found Ted instead. On her birthday, Anna received a text. Ted came over, one thing led to another, and they were back together. Well, kind of, anyways. No questions asked, because why? Anna had her drug again. He came to me, hat in hand, tears in his eyes. You know, I'm so, so sorry that I did this to you. I'm so sorry that I lied to you. I just was, I just felt backed in a corner. I didn't know what to do. She came from a, a wealthy family, and every Christmas, they got a large amount of money. And if he was married to her, then he got a large amount of money too. And so he was saying, I needed that money. And so I didn't want to like divorce her because I needed that money really, really bad. So I just, I just needed to get the money and then I would divorce her. And then, you know, I just thought you would never find out, but then things happened and the, the circumstances changed for me and it changed for her and we started to talk. And then I just thought, you know, I really need to be with her. I need to honor my, my vows to her and I need to try to work on this marriage. But then of course the next thing is, but it's not going to work. It's I'm miserable with her. I'm remembering all the reasons why I left. I'm remembering all the reasons why this wasn't working out. I'm divorcing her and I want to be with her. That process took um, pretty much the whole summer that year of like the backing, the back and the forth and the keeping me on the line. I later found out that that whole summer um, that he was 
like he had his stuff at my house. He was staying with me off and on, um, more on than off. But that whole summer, um, she was in the process of transitioning her job to where we are, had rented a house here, mm-hmm. had uh, put the con like put their house on the market up where they were living. Um, and so, you know, she was packing her whole entire life up and moving it here to be with him because he had told her he wanted their marriage to work out. And at the same time, he's telling me that um, he's he's just trying to figure it all out, that he wants me. Please be patient. I promise you this is going to work out. This is going to happen. I'm working on it. Just, just stick with me. How long approximately was it? when you guys broke up to when he started coming back around and like spending more time with you, even though you weren't titled Um, words, even though his actions said something else, but it was my birthday and my birthday's in June. And so on my birthday, so he broke up with me beginning of April. Um, okay. So for a quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you also say, um, didn't a few? Didn't another woman reach out to you at this time? She found you and um, yes. reached out to you. Did you have social media presence? Did you post photos of you and Ted together? I mean, yeah. Did people or did other women ever see these and reach out to you? No, not like like for, to tell me that like they were dating him or he was you know messing with them or anything like that. The the only woman who ever reached out, and she actually didn't reach out to me. She reached out to my friend. It was a weird thing too. I, 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 it still puzzles me, and I'm still confused about it. But I mean, it is what it is. But she, she told my friend that she suspected that her husband was cheating on her, and so she got on this like adult friend finder, you know, one of those hookup sites, and she saw, she saw Ted on the site. That woman's like, well, I don't remember what site it was, but I know it was him because I saw pictures of her with him on her Facebook. And so I know it was him. But I don't know this woman. And my Facebook um, is fairly locked down. You know, I guess there were some profile pictures maybe of the two of us. But overall, it was pretty locked down. So I, I'm still kind of like iffy on whether that happened or not or confused. I don't put it past him at all. Interestingly enough... Anna's daughter has a different memory of how her mother and Ted got back together. Let's take a listen. My friend had come over one weekend and they were having a big adoption thing at a Petco down in Midwest City. And so mom loaded she and I up in the car and we went down and we found our little pup, uh, Tobias. And Tobias brought my mom a lot of joy. You know, he he started to help put the pieces together for my mom. And he is actually what brought mom and Ted back together. Oh, Because geez. Tobias had, Tobias was our dog. He had gone missing. And my mom was frantic. I was with my dad, so I couldn't be there to help. And out of desperation, because I believe my grandparents were in Georgia. I don't think that they were here. Out of desperation, my mom called Ted and was like, Tobias is gone. I can't find him. And Ted swooped in like a hero and went and they searched all over until they found Tobias and they were back together. So Tobias is the one that comforted my mom yet brought them back together. But You know, my mom, 
takes so much blame on herself and thinks that she wasn't there and thinks that she was a bad mother. And, you know, she was, and she still is the best thing that I've had in my life. And it breaks my heart to think that she thought that she was just absent, that she wasn't there, that she wasn't my mom. You know, she always was. And that's one thing that she's had a lot of guilt over. And I just keep having to tell her, you aren't doing this. You, because I asked her why she stayed for so long when it had been bad for so long. And she said that she didn't want to be a failure. And I told her, you are not a failure. He's a piece of shit, garbage human being. He's the one who did this, not you. Oh, man. How did you feel when she did take him back? Were you angry with him at all? Or did you want them to get back together? I was ang- I was extremely angry with him. But I was 16. I didn't feel like I had the right to express that anger. And from my father, we, we didn't get to express our feelings or our emotions. Because we were going to get yelled at. We were going to get the shit beat out of us. I, I, I didn't express any feelings that I had. And I especially didn't want to with mom because I didn't want to make her feel any worse than she already did. And while Ted spent most of his time with her and kept busy running the store, there was a noticeable red flag she noticed during an F5 tornado. And while he stepped out to quote unquote, take a call, she couldn't help but overhear the conversation. And it definitely didn't sound platonic. Secretly, she went through Ted's phone, but nothing was suspicious. So they moved forward with their relationship and even planned on moving together in October. Um, This particular tornado had um, wiped out a lot. Like, I mean, almost a whole entire uh, part of our city. And there's a lot of deaths and a lot of property loss. And so people were just like scrambling, trying to get together donations for people, you know, for their salvation. Like it was FEMA housing, all that stuff. I was at the store and his phone rang and I did see the phone, like the, the phone lit up and I could see there was just a phone number, um, not a name or anything. And he said, oh, I need to go outside to take this call. And so like, I don't know if you thought I was deaf, but I could hear a lot of his phone conversation out there and it just didn't seem like it was, and it just felt off. Like the energy was off with this phone call. He came back in and I said, well, who were you talking to? Then he said, well, that was my mom. And I'm like, oh, the hell it was. That was not your mom. He's like, yeah, it was my mom. Yeah, it was my mom. And that was the end. You know what I mean? That was the end of the conversation. But it wasn't his mom. He was talking to the wife. We were curious if um, you ever felt like Ted possibly had a hidden burner phone. And that's why you missed some of the interactions with him and the wife or any other woman? So um, he's really good with phones and stuff. Like he had an iPhone and he there's like those calculator apps. They look like a calculator on the phone, look exactly like a calculator. Mm-hmm. So you just put in the numbers and then that actually is a, a secret app where they can message, they can hold videos, photos, all that kind of stuff. I know he had one of those later on, but during this time, he just had like some, you know, $30 Walmart phone. He had like a 
cheapo knockoff BlackBerry. And in those phones, it was much easier to hide things and to delete things and like it never happened. Like, because it went to like a separate little place on the phone that you actually had to like go to that place to see the text and things like that. I never really felt the need to look at his phone as strange as that sounds, you know? With everything going on, I just never felt the need to look at it. I was also a little afraid to look at it because he was really good with techie stuff. And so I was afraid that he somehow would know that I looked at the phone. As the date approached, Ted became more and more distant. He didn't come to Anna's place as much, and he just seemed very preoccupied. Two days before the big day, Anna saw Ted walking up to her door, and she just knew. He was coming to tell her that he would not be moving in and he did not want to see her anymore and good luck. So this is the official discard. So we talked about, you know, the the love bombing, the idealization. And then what is it after that? I forget. There's love bombing, which is part of the idealization. And then there's uh, devaluation. Devaluing. So this is discard. You get tossed out like trash. Yep. You continually talk about him being a drug. And is there is that is there like a correlation between like this discard stage and this almost withdrawal? And, and how does that affect our brains? Like when like why we can't shake them and when everyone's saying, "Well, tell him to fuck off and move on." It's like it's just so easy for you to, you know, carry on and start over. Like there's got to be something like a drug effect in your brain where it's not that easy to just walk away. That's facts. So I'm getting ready to get a little psychology on you. Do it. Do it. I want to hear this. Um, Yeah. Break it down. I love it. The intermittent reward cycle. So with like, there's been studies done. The one that's most famous about the intermittent reward cycle is with rats and uh, cocaine. They put rats in two cages, rats in two cages, one cage. Every time they push, push the lever, they got cocaine. In the other cage, Sometimes they would get cocaine and sometimes they would get water, right? Well, the one with the rat with the cocaine that always got the cocaine, that rat hit that lever over, 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 over again until it died. But the other rat was different. No, wait, I just told you a lie. The rat that always got the cocaine eventually got tired of it and quit. Now, the rat that only got it every now and then was obsessive about it like hitting 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 just hoping to get that hit of cocaine you know didn't get it so kept trying kept trying kept trying and that rat basically quit eating it quit having sex it quit doing anything other than hitting that lever that is what the intermittent reward system or uh, cycle does to our brains with these people so sometimes they're great and they're wonderful and they're attentive and they're loving and they're just spectacular and they make you feel like you're everything in the whole wide world and you've experienced that and you've had that and it's incredible it's like nothing you've ever felt ever 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 and then all of a sudden one day you hit the lever it's gone gone there's no more that drug has been removed from you and so you're going through withdrawals and you're just like i've got to have it i've got to have it and then like two days later your phone beeps and it's a text i'm so sorry and you're just like boom drug right in your brain you feel like if you walked away from it, you would die, just like the rat that hits that button over and over and over again. It quits eating, quits drinking, quits having sex, quits doing everything that's important to survive just on the off chance when they hit that lever, they're going to get the drug. And that is what it does to our brain. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, you're just thinking, is it going to happen this time? Is it going to happen? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's anticipating. Well, and you know it's going to happen. 
Yeah, because they do. always come back. Yeah. They always come back. So you know it's going to happen. Wow. You That's you're such just a good analogy. And the good part is at the end of this season, we're going to talk about healing and ways to not get stuck in this intermittent um, hamster wheel hamster wheel yeah. of fuckery. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, I'm excited to, to kind of knock out some solutions to, to that problem. We know that his nice and kind behavior doesn't last very long. So how long was Ted on his best behavior before he started getting distant? That was a weird time. I mean, it's really hard for me to explain what that, that time frame was like. I mean, because we were together, but we weren't together. You know, it was that, that whole thing. You know, that whole summer was kind of like off and on and back and forth. Um, but in September, we had talked about him moving in. And the plan was that he was going to move in with me on October the 1st. Mid to late September, he started getting weird again, just like he had done. And uh, right before he broke up with me in April, he started getting um, distant, not answering his phone, not being as available, not contacting me as much. And I'm just like, you motherfucking piece of shit. I know exactly what's coming. And it was like two days before he was supposed to move in with me. He pulled up in front of my house. I watched him get out of his truck and I watched him walk toward my door and I just, I knew, I mean, like I knew I didn't even have to hear a word, none of it. Um, and before he even got in the door, I had out the black truck, the hefty bags were out and I was shoving all of his crap in those hefty bags, you know, socks, underwear, shirts, everything. Like, but he even walks in the door and I've already got like a hefty bag sitting there, like take it. And he's, you know, he's like, what, what are you doing? And I said, no, I, what are you doing? I know what you're doing. You're coming here to tell me you're not going to move in with me. And don't even act like you're not. Don't even. And he was like, well, I mean, there's just so much going on. Like his best friend, one of his best friends had died. And that friend's mom died very shortly thereafter. And he was just like, I'm just so upset about this. And I just need some time by myself. And just things are just so difficult and I just think if I moved in with you right now things would not go very well and so I just really need to take some time and my response this time around was very different than the last time around uh, this time around, I was pissed this time she was enraged and took a different approach she was going to start dating again but there was a little caveat the person that Anna began seeing just so happened to be Ted's friend and not just any friend, this friend was also incarcerated at the same time. And I bet you can never guess how that went over. I feel like you're parallel to Athena because she fucking put Tiger out the second time. was like, you have 24 hours to get your shit and get the fuck get out, the of fuck house. House. out of my house. Out of my life. Out of my house and get away from <laughs> yeah. me. I don't want to see you. I don't want, I don't want nothing. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those, you know, like out of a movie where I take all of his shit and throw it out in the yard. Oh, I did do that. I did yes. do that. I did yeah. that the second time. Yeah. yeah. When I when he, I found the burner phone and the Canadian woman, I remember him pulling up the driveway and it's dark out. I just didn't even, I was so on fire. I did not give a shit what my neighbors thought. And I was just chucking shoes out the window <laughs> and then carrying like bunches of like his clothes on hangers just throwing them over out, the just get out yeah, yeah that's what i was doing too so for my family like this hoodie and i was like i'm keeping the fucking hoodie <laughs> you know like i want this hoodie um oh, yeah. and so yeah. yeah like that was like 
I, I just, that one I was just like, fuck you. You decide to date his friend, one of the inmates from prison. Very curious. I don't know if this is my guilty pleasure of a question, but who reached out to who? How do you have his contact information? And I'm did Ted find out? And if so, how did he react? Did he shit himself? I hope so. This is a good story. <laughs> I, I like this one. Yeah. So after he broke up with me in, in October, October of that year, I was pretty done. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to get back out there. I'm over this. Um, you know, again, not leaving any time to heal. New, no, new. No, let's not, not do that. We don't want to get introspective. Hell no. We want to jump right into another relationship. So this guy um, had been really good friends with Ted while he was incarcerated. And Ted had actually given him my phone number because Ted left before he did. And so Ted was like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know my phone numbers, but I know hers. And so he gave him my number. And so whenever he got out, he called me um, to talk to, to Ted so he could get his phone number. And so they could connect and um, talk. Well, he started, the guy started texting me quite a bit, you know, when everything like cratered and I told him, you know, he gave it about two weeks before he was like, look, here's the deal, you know, um, I, I really think you're attractive and beautiful and you're kind and you're sweet. And, um, you know, I really would like to pursue something with you. And I was like, oh, yeah, why the fuck not? Um, important thing to note, I no longer date men who have been previously incarcerated. So, okay. So that's, I learned my, I learned my lesson on that. And <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. But... <laughs> And it's I, a hard you know, pass now. That's done and over with. That hard is pass. I love it. No more. No. <laughs> girl. So, but just say no to inmates, y'all. They know if they got a BOP number or a DOC number, you just move on down the line. Part of the reason why I entertained this individual was I knew that eventually Ted would find out, and I knew that it would make him incendiary with rage, and that's exactly what happened. And it was actually a catalyst, unfortunately, for us getting back together. So, you know, um, this is about two months later or so. I don't even know. He found out. He texted me or something. And he's like, I heard you're seeing somebody. And I was like, yeah, I'm seeing, you know, Billy Bob. And there was a pause between the text, you know. And he said, well, I'm so glad that the Lord <laughs> even say out loud he's like i'm so glad that the lord led you to him and him to you because i feel like you guys are going to make a really good couple and he's a lucky guy to have you and i know he's going to treat you really well he's a good guy but what really was happening was he sent that text and he pulled over the side of the road and he beat his car down he ripped the rearview mirror out of off his car he threw it out the window. He broke his steering wheel. He kicked it in the dashboard because he was so angry. Oh my God. What a creep about that. Uh, yeah, not no. to mention the fact that Teddy Boy doesn't even believe in God. So you already had. So to you, it was like. <laughs> a little such, ironic. Yeah. It was like a left handed comment. Like, sure, thanks. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, so um, it was probably. And, and this this whole rest of the thing, you know, is for another um, recording. But that was. Within about three weeks, he was calling, Ted was calling me, you know, sobbing and brokenhearted. And I, I have to love you, you know, and me, all that other good stuff. So, so what are the chances that his friend, because they were both in jail in a state 
not in your state, that he happened to right. live where was no. he didn't live where you lived. No. Oh, so okay. Dating is a loose term. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Whatever you need dating. to say, I like it. Yeah. But yeah. High insight. High insight. I would love to know the story that Ted gave the wife or the girlfriend or whoever about what happened to his fucking car. Because I mean, you can't say you got in a car accident when you've ripped off your steering wheel, beat the shit out of your car with footprints and dents. Oh my God. That probably started fights. That probably started fights. And I know that that that's factual because I actually saw the, the car obviously. And I was like, Oh shit, you really did do that. And- I mean, I'm kind of dying to know what wifey thinks like wifey's moving to, a new state has no idea the shit show she's walking into. I know. It, um, oh my god! It's like you, Amber. I know. I actually had the, <laughs> and I think I, 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 did, I think it's in the story where I did come across a, a story thing that she did where she talked about that time frame. So I actually do know what was happening during that time frame because she did a whole thing and recorded it and put it out there on her social media about. It. She has a blog, and so she. Oh yes. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna touch on that in the next episode. We gotta find that. Oh okay. yeah, let's do that. Okay. Next week on the X Files. It blew my mind at that point, thinking about how he kept so many balls in the air. He was crying, and he was um, telling me that he had made a horrible mistake, and he was begging for my forgiveness, and saying that you know. He was miserable with her, miserable without me, that he just just kept saying how bad he messed up and how sorry he was and asking me, begging me, can you please forgive me? Can you please forgive me? He was sitting on my front porch with the divorce papers in his hands, but they were fake, which I found out later. And he said, you know, let's go drive around and go look at Christmas lights. There was a big light display that you could walk through. And so we were walking through it and underneath the Christmas lights and stuff, he literally dropped down on one knee, just everything your romantic heart could desire. He did. Hey, X-Fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or the X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, Don't forget to leave us a five-star review.